I'd like to invite you to turn to the Psalms, the 146th Psalm. We have skipped around a little bit and skipped up to the 146th, and there's five Psalms left in the entire book from here. And it has its own little binding together. These have been commonly called the Hallelujah Psalms. And so, some, some folks might say we're going to get our praise on here. We are definitely going to have our attention drawn to the praise of God throughout the remaining Psalms that we have. That's what our life is to be spent doing, is giving praise to God. The highest praise. You know, there's praise that, that goes on, you know, between people, different things. But there's a special praise that belongs to God. You know, you might think about some high praise that's bestowed upon college students at graduation for a job well done. There's cum laude. There's magna cum laude. There's summa cum laude. And there's high praise. There's higher praise. And there's the highest praise. One friend to another might, might give some praise in something else. If someone has been very gracious and merciful or may be given to you, you might give them higher praise. But the highest praise belongs only to the Lord God. There is a special praise for Him and it is for none other. As we think about the last five psalms, as we're going to share praise, the next one, in the 147th, we're going to see that praise, it is good and it is pleasant to praise the Lord. In the 148th, it fills us in on the fact that we join in with all of creation in giving praise to God, heaven and earth. Praises the Lord. In the 149th Psalm, it places an emphasis on joyful praise to God. I, I can't wait to get there. And then the last Psalm, well, it's basically going to tell us the where, the why, and the how praise should be given to the Lord. We can truly be helped in our worship of God as we receive these last five psalms and as we meditate on them together and the message that God has for us in them, as we give our attention to praise and worship of the Lord, you know, it's going to help to keep us to steer clear and to stay away of the religious entertainment that's going on in the world today. God deserves true praise 
and worship of His holy name. There's a, there's a song that says, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. And may we not have to go there and be tempted to fall into what so many have, religious entertainment. It's being incorporated into the sanctuaries across the country, maybe across the world, more and more these days. Worship is being replaced with entertainment. And people believe it's praise that's given to God for an hour of their week. And if nothing else is going on, it's really no praise at all. So they're not giving any praise to God. We're going to look at four aspects of praise and worship to God in this psalm tonight. That it might be true worship of Him. When we come into His house, when we leave, may we have worshipped the Lord. How about always praising with our all? That's what we see in verses 1 and 2. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. We have a heart. We have a mind. We have a will. We have bowels of emotions. We have a voice. We have breath. We have life. And this life we have has been given to us by God and we are to turn around and give Him praise for our lives and with our lives that He might be exalted, that He might be lifted up. We are gifted We are showered with blessings. We have been supplied as God's people and we are sustained by Him. Do we kind of lose track of that sometimes when, when everything just seems to be going so well and... And maybe we can get a little high on ourselves thinking we've just made a whole lot of right decisions and and that's why everything's going smooth. It is because of God. We have been given to abundantly by God. Everything that we are, everything that we have, it's given by God. And, And we love to be given to. We love the blessings But what have we always talked about? Don't forget the blesser. Don't forget the one who gives. Don't love the giving and the blessings more than the giver, than the blesser. God, Almighty God, give Him praise for who He is. The psalmist here makes a vow to God. He promises God something. We, we talked about that on Wednesday night during Ecclesiastes, about vowing vows to God. We don't have to, but if we do make a promise to God, then we are to keep that promise that we make to God. And the psalmist here 
makes a promise to God. He vows to praise God for the rest of his life. What does he say? I will, I will, while I live, I will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. A commitment and a promise from the psalmist that with his life, for all of his life, he's going to give praise to God. He, he had it. He had it down because that's what we're to do. Why wouldn't we praise God all the days of our life upon this earth? It's what we're going to do in heaven. It's what we're going to do in heaven forever. We're going to praise God continually. How, what's, what's going to be the depths of our praise to God? What if it's from the practice of our praise to God here? We're, we're learning and we're growing in praise to God now. And it's what we're going to do for all eternity. In the 104th Psalm, verse 33, it says, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. We might not just consider, though, what's within a life of praise. Maybe, maybe as we're thinking about praise and, and praising the Lord, we're thinking about what that's all about and what it, what it involves. But let's think about what it doesn't involve. When we have a life and hearts full of continual praise to God, I believe there's going to be an excluding of some things from our lives. Definitely a minimizing that that can cease, how about criticism? How much room does criticism have in a life that is devoted to giving praise to God? How about complaining? You know, that's habit forming. It makes us feel bad. I I think we think we get a satisfaction out of complaining. It really makes us feel bad. It really takes everything down. A life of praise doesn't have much room for that. How about comparing? How about competing? It doesn't fit in a life that's committed to praise to God. Those things not only crush our character, but they chip away at our health. I firmly believe that. And in saying that and thinking about that, what healing there is in praise. It's healthy to praise God. How well we are when we have a grateful heart for God. A grateful heart as a result of true worship and praise. As I mentioned those benefits that will seem to come about in our lives, let me say what we already know, and that praise is not for us. We don't praise the Lord with a primary purpose or a focus on what it does for us. It's all about God. First of all, He demands praise. It's our duty to praise. God deserves all of our praise. But what anxiety medication it is when we have a life of praise to God. 
what good depression meds we're given in a, in, in a life that's devoted to praise with our minds and our hearts upon the Lord when we're praising the Lord with our all, always praising the Lord with our all. Look at verses 3 through 6 and something that's going to go along with a life of praise and worship is going to be always trusting only in Him. Verses 3 through 6. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever." Most people tend to have someone they depend on. And don't get me wrong, God gives us one another in our lives to help one another. But the idea of of looking to those that are humanly intelligent, those who have substance in this world, and to depend on someone and to trust in someone with our lives when there is no one who can do what God can do, we're really shortchanging ourselves. We're not benefiting at all when we put any kind of real trust in man. When God says, trust in me. And look who He is. Look at all that God is. And He's so trustworthy. From, from Abraham's time through the prophet Jeremiah and in, and in that area, you f- will find that Israel would turn to Egypt at times. They would turn to worldly Egypt. When God says, turn to me, God welcomed them, told them when they were worshiping strange idols, He's, God is saying, I have the very best for you. Turn your hearts back to me. But people look to people sometimes. And the thing is, people don't last forever. People are going to come and go. People vary in opinions. People will vary in how they will guide you. And and there are people on every corner just bouncing off the walls wanting to give advice. And so much of it is very bad. But God has good advice. There's a temptation to trust in human wisdom though. But that's not going to take us through life successfully. We cannot neglect God and place our trust somewhere else and have any kind of life of success. But for those who trust in the Lord. Verse 5 speaks about the God of Jacob. You can't help but think of Jacob when you also read there the God of Jacob. 
What kind of God was the true and living God to Jacob? What was Jacob like and what did God do with Jacob? How about the long-suffering of God to Jacob? Because Jacob was really tempted to scheme. And Jacob did scheme at times. And nothing ever worked out in the midst of his scheming. Scheming will cause us to talk a lot. Scheming will cause us to try to, to, to make something happen in our own ability. And things always messed up for Jacob in that way. But the long-suffering of God, and when Jacob would come to the Lord by faith, God would bless him. And God would take care of him. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Jacob was helped when he would turn from scheming and he would turn to faith in the true and living God. And that is our help today. We have a never failing, assured help from God. He's always there. He always has a listening ear for His children. I love the message this morning and the, and the confession of sin and the, the promise of cleansing and, and separating and get rid of, getting rid of anything between the Lord and us and the Lord hearing us and taking our petitions and granting our requests when we're asking according to God's will. We can trust Him. They... Jacob wasn't perfect at times, and he resorted to flesh and blood, and it didn't work out. Let that be an example that we're setting ourselves up for failure by, by trust in man above God, by trust in self. God doesn't want us to be confident in self. He wants us to be confident in Him. He doesn't want us to have self-assurance. He wants us to have Savior assurance. The long-suffering of God honored Jacob's faith and gave him help. Jacob's hope was in the Lord and the Lord gave him help. And He does the same thing for you and I. This God who is urging us to trust in Him for all things. Look with me in verse 6 at His power. First He says, Happy are you if you have Me because I am your help. And then look at His power to help us, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. How powerful is our God. And He is calling us to trust in His power, His supply for our lives. He is willing to act in His power on our behalf for what we need, for what we need to glorify Him, to live for Him, to be successful. God is moved by our prayers when our faith 
is in Him. And when we're requesting so that He might be glorified, God responds to our faith. I heard a sermon. Pastor Stone preached a sermon. I think it was about 06 or 07. And he talked about things that amaze Jesus. And one of those things was faith. Faith amazes Jesus. And God blesses those who come to Him in faith, trusting Him rather than our own devices, rather than any scheme that we could come up with. God, the power of God. He's not like man who life is fleeting from all the time. And man is fading. Human wisdom does not compare to the wisdom of God. God makes foolish the wisdom of man by His wisdom. Verse 6 again says, He keepeth truth forever. The one who truly praises and worships the Lord. What goes along with that is, is trusting the Lord. You know, we, we can't come out of the world into the sanctuary with our minds all over the place in the world and the, 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 the caring of things in the world, the, the putting everything on our shoulders to do everything and then come in and give true worship to God. What's going to go along with true praise and worship to the Lord is going to be trust. Trust in Him. How could we not trust in Him? He gave the life of His Son to save us. If you're a born-again believer tonight, you have trusted that God gave His Son to defeat all sin and that there is salvation, deliverance, rescue from our sin in Him, and no penalty to face, and we are citizens of heaven. He has done that for us. He provided Israel with covenants, and He kept those covenants to Israel. He can be trusted to keep His word today also to you and I. Romans 8.32 He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy to be trusted. Praising and worshiping God involves always trusting only in Him. How about this? Being a springboard from worship. Springing off from worship or however you want to see it. Always loving because He loves. Look and read with me in verses 7 through 9. Which executeth judgment... For the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord looseth the prisoners. 
The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. What a precious and powerful commitment God makes to those who are in need. Remember when he was there, when you were in such great need? It might have been something that God used to draw you to be saved. We've got to see our our sin and it offends God and we have to see our helplessness. And there are those whose testimony has been they struggled along with something. They wanted to fix and to help something and their own ability and they were thinking about it. They were, they were white knuckling it and everything within them. They were trying to fix something in their lives and they found themselves destitute and bankrupt, spiritually speaking, unable to do anything about the situation. And next thing you know, that brought about a hungering to go to church. Next thing you know, someone hears the good news of how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He was raised again the third day according to the Scriptures and, and that if anyone will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be saved saved from their sin, rescued from the penalty of sin, and, and Jesus Christ becoming their Lord and Savior. Many people have gone to church to try to get one thing fixed in their life. They want to tip their hat to, to this God and get one thing fixed in their life. And next thing you know, that one thing gets set to the side. And then our own very own need... Our greatest need is seen of salvation. And then He comes in and and lives in us and strengthens us and changes our lives. Oh, what a commitment that God has to those who are in need. So as I say that, let me say this. It's a good place to be when we're in need. It's good for you and I to see that the events of life are too big a match for you and I. God has intended it that way, that we might look to Him. That we might see that we need Him in all things. Wow, where... He executed judgment for the oppressed, giveth food to the hungry, looseth the prisoners, openeth the eyes of the blind, raiseth them that are bowed down. Where do all of these ministries of God come from? They're self-appointed from God. These are, these are God's ministries He appointed Himself to in our lives, in the lives of people. And it's because of what we find in the end of verse 8. Love. Because of His love. The Lord loves a lost and dying world. 
He has proven it by giving His only begotten Son. And the Lord loves His children. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. God not only loves Paul, God loves you and I. God loves everyone who is hungry, everyone who is sick, all who are crippled, the blind, the brokenhearted, the poor, and the bruised. This is God's self-appointed ministry on this earth. In the lives of people like that, when we were unable to help ourselves, it turned us to the Lord and God helped us. And God lifted us. He took us up out of the miry clay and He set our feet on a rock. He put a new song in our mouth, even praise to our God. He loves us. And if He loves us like that, and He does, and we know it, we have experienced the love of God. If He loves us like that, and He's done that in our lives, and lifted us up and strengthened us, it's so we can go do the same. True praise and worship of the Lord is going to send us to love this world. It's going to send us to love God's church, to love God's people, to help for God to use us to help them the way we have been helped by God. You know, there's more than soaking up God's love in our lives. They're they're sharing it. We're not to be a reservoir of God's love. It's to be a flowing river. You know, water that sets still gets stagnant. But how pretty and how clear and how refreshing is flowing, moving water. And the love of God is to move through our lives to others. We're never going to fulfill the ministry of Jesus and, and, and what Jesus did and the way Jesus loved and all He did in, in His miraculous ways. But we can do everything that He intends to use us for. He is going to love through us. He is going to give love and, and He's going to do it with our lives to others. And we will help the the helpless. And we will be loving in a lot of the ways that Jesus loves. True worship and praise of the Lord. This is is going to be a result in our lives. 1 John chapter 3, it says, For this is the message that... 
Ye have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Not as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? God is... God has given us something to do. He has loved us. We, he has blessed us with His love. We have experienced it. And we're to take it to a lost and dying world. We're to take it to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Love's going to go along with worshiping Him. Always loving because He loves us. How about this? Let's look at the last verse and close. Always reigning... With the one who reigns, I'll say. Verse 10, The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Highest praise to God. The Lord reigns. He's coming back to rule and reign. The Lord's in charge. Every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. The Lord's in charge. We're not. He reigns. You know, one day we're going to rule and reign with Him. Jesus is coming back to the clouds and He's coming to get His children. And we're going to bypass the seven years of tribulation. We're not going to experience that. And then what do we know? We are coming back to rule and reign with Jesus Christ in His thousand year millennial reign. You know, there's some people who they're able to be included in Christianity as a denomination. And and they have missed that thousand year reign. (laughs) They, 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 They don't see it. But we see it, and we know that Jesus is coming back to rule and to reign. He's coming back one day soon. And we're going to reign with Him after the rapture. But how about now? What what is it like now? Can we use that word reigning and apply it to our lives now in Jesus Christ that we have, there is a reigning for God's people now. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Right now, we are citizens of heaven. 
Our conversations in heaven, the Bible says. That word conversation means citizenship. We are citizens of heaven now. Paul told the church at Ephesus in, in chapter 1 that we sit together in heavenly places in Christ right now. Hebrews tells us that we go boldly before the throne of grace. That sounds like a reigning that is taking place now for children of God with with all of the resources that we have been given in Jesus Christ that are inexhaustible. Sounds like a measure of reigning for the redeemed. To reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. The access we have to what doesn't exhaust the ministry of the Holy Spirit for our lives upon this earth to enable us to live the Christian life, to empower us to live for the Lord. There's a a certain reigning in the present as well as a reigning that's going to take place in the future. Romans 5.21 says that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace... We have grace right now. Even so might grace reign through righteousness. We receive righteousness when we were saved. We were saved by grace. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We started with praise. A life of praise and worship. And look at what that catapults us onto. Always praising with our all. Always trusting only in Him. Always loving because He loves us. Always reigning with the one who reigns. Oh, why would we change worship? Why would we change what? Good old, genuine, one-on-one worship is between us and God. Some people give God praise for everything. Not just at church, on the job. People give God praise for every good thing. It gets on the nerves of some people. They, They don't understand it. Next thing you know, next thing you know, the people who have found themselves disturbed by someone who is always giving praise to God starts to see a joy in the life. God starts to draw the lost by the child of God who praises God Almighty, who speaks well of God who gives God credit for everything in their lives. It's it's good to talk about the Lord. I remember one fellow was just scared to death to talk about God with people, an unsaved man. He was scared to death to hear someone talk about God. A little time went by. 
And he said, you know, it kind of feels good to think about God and to talk about Him and how good He is. Next thing you know, this young man was saved and his life was changed. How evangelistic it can be for you and I to simply exalt God, to give Him His due. He is worthy of all of our praise. We're going to, we're going to talk about praise for four more messages. I tell, and I tell you what all God's people would do tonight. And that's, that's praise the Lord and rejoice with you if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The last verse in Sunday school this morning was, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's to be applied to Christians, okay? Christians are being written to. But I, but I just had a thought this morning at the last minute in Sunday school of how someone talked about that one time. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they, they gave the example of an airplane and, and a parachute. And, and there's that parachute over there. And, and you can believe that that parachute will save your life. That if the plane goes down, and that, that parachute will keep you from dying. It will keep you safe. But not if you just look at it over there and say, that'll save me. You've got to put on that parachute. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and trust in Him. There's a difference in knowledge of who Jesus is. And, and you don't believe you're an atheist. You don't believe in Buddhism or anything like that. You don't think there's anything to Muhammad. And you think, you think that Jesus is the truth. But there's something very personal that happens by trust and faith in Him. When the relationship starts and He comes to live within... And He changes our lives. He saves us just as we are. He loves us. If, there's, if there are any unsaved people here tonight or listening in, He loves you just as you are. And He loves us. He loves you too much to leave you that way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's a change in life when we're saved. One member of this church says, that's where the devil lost his argument in my confusion and my doubt as to whether I was saved when I heard that there was a change that takes place. I knew that change had not taken place in my life and I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior by faith. And He came to live within, and He changed me. Do you know that change? Because, because that's, where, that's where praise to God begins. To truly praise God is to be one of His children. He's living inside. And we hunger. We hunger to give Him praise. It's a work He does in our lives. We'll find ourselves destitute. We'll find ourselves flat sometimes. And we'll want to give Him praise. Please do business with God as...
as He leads you tonight. And if you're unsaved, we would love to take the Word of God and to to show you and help you how to be saved. Let us pray. Father, we bow again tonight. We praise You for Your Word. We thank You for an opportunity to have been in Your house to worship You this evening. Lord God, as we all consider and reflect on our own lives, help us to stay away from the entertainment idea that would, that would corrupt what worship of You is. Help us, Lord, that we don't fall into routine or rut, but we come into Your house to praise Your name to live for You, to love others, to reign with You, to trust You, Lord. We trust You tonight, and we praise You for being our God. And we ask all of these things in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.